my gentle giants, my men among men, my friends who reach for the stars and in doing so cause me to reach for the stars myself. I read a number of books today, but I don't think any of them. Well, I mean, this week, but I don't think any of them, but one or two were good, except for all the DC books. <laughs> that is kind of what I was thinking. There was a lot of good DC books this week. There was. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker. What dark crisis issue was there? <clears throat> the first issue, issue one of seven. I forgot Flashpoint because I combined I for- it with Dark Crisis because they have two fence going on. I forgot Dark Crisis because it looks just like the cover of the previous Crisis issue. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Perfect Acceptable Podcast. I've just realized something very exciting. Very exciting. This is episode number 272 of the Comics Place Presents a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, a comic show about pod- comic books, a podcast about comic books that we record every week from the comic shop that the three of us run together, um, where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic books that we read that week or the comic shop that we run or the comings and goings of our life before i realized what i thought was interesting i'm going to tell you that i am jeff i am Django. i am roman buckle up buddies because it's going to be an interesting one this is episode 272 272 yeah 72 my favorite number everyone knows that oh, two yes mine Django's favorite number and roman's favorite number 272 and my parents lucky number 14 two times seven that's true i do know that that's your parents lucky number um, and what caused me to realize all of this was an email from our well, well, welcome friend, William Elmer, whose home I spent several hours at this week. Hello and happy episode 272. On the subject of celebrity guest writers from last week, a few others came to mind, such as Brian Pesane, Amelia Clark, Keanu Reeves, and Anthony Bourdain. None of them have really mm. done good comics. And just announced this last week, Bruce Campbell is writing a six-issue run of Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, which I am very excited about. So on the subject of Bruce Campbell, you may know that Army of Darkness is one of my all-time favorite movies. And yesterday, my good friend Nathan Butcher finally watched it for the first time. This, of course, filled me with the excitement and anxiety because it's the movie is near and dear to my heart and you never know how your friends are going to feel <laughs> about something you love what is a comic graphic novel that you love so much that you both simultaneously want your friends to read but are also nervous for them to do so because they might not love it as much as you do lots of love will p.s warriors and seven pps happy belated birthday to nathan butcher the old spiritual nathan savior nathan butcher whom we love dearly 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 i know what my answer to that question is in a heartbeat and i'm curious uh what you two think your answer to that question is is your answer the offer on paramount plus if it was not limited to comics that is immediately (laughs) what my idea was yeah i mean for me it would be like all of those comics that got me into comics i don't know if the shadow's good it's my favorite comic but i don't know if it's good i don't think those indiana jones comics are great i i don't know that i would want to pass those on and, and get somebody else's opinion on them. But both of those I thought were well crossed crossed final answer. My final answer is crossed. 
I like Crossbody. That's a good book. <laughs> That's a Garth Ennis book, man. That's a good book. It was for a little while. Nine well, issues. yeah. I mean, we're talking about volume one cross, right? That's oh, I'm talking about book. deep in the hundred episode. Ooh, I never got uh, across badly. Never got that. Never got that. some of the Christos Gage shit. Ooh, Roman, what about you? Um, the Filth by Grant Morrison. Um, actually, no, I can't say that because I, I got to reread that and see what I think of it before I can yeah. say I like it. Um, never finished it. Both mine are kaiju related. Kaiju Max. because it's so specifically things that i love i don't know if how other people would react to it and actually the the Django's comment about childhood reminded me i I loved the godzilla this godzilla series from marvel back in the Mm -hmm. 70s love it love it love it but i don't know other people if they tried it they might be like god this is just god awful (laughs) we just got a bunch of those in and i thought of you while i was putting four (laughs) dollar price stickers on 1970s Roman, did you ever watch that godzilla cartoon show from like probably the late 80s there's been a couple i watched the one with uh it might have been earlier than i I, the one with godzuki yeah 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 his his kid (laughs) there was like a kind of family crew that was his yeah stuff yeah yeah (laughs) it was pretty bad i bet jeff i bet with I bet you would. I bet Django for sure could guess it without too much work. What's the thing that I love that when I recommend it to people, they almost universally don't like it? Oh, God. I don't know. Um, Comic wise? Yeah. I, I feel like you brought it up just this last week. At we the store. have one employee in our past who also loved it. But outside of that and, and Roman, I think, likes it. Hmm. Final Crisis. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's uh, great. I yeah. love it, but like, yeah. you know, I don't really <laughs> even recommend it to people at the store anymore because like, like no one is like, what's a good, oh, Final Crisis? And then like no one, you have to do an inordinate <laughs> amount of work and yeah. have a particular paradigm going into it to, I think, be able to enjoy it. And I don't know if that is the byproduct of the quality of the work or the type of person that reads it. But I do think it is one of those things that like I've stopped recommending to people because so many people have just hated it and thought it was a waste of time <laughs> after reading it. So do you have a non Grant Morrison one? Um, I mean, that's a good question. Um, comic books that I've recommended to people or that I like so much. Uh, oh God, I'd have to look at my, I'd probably have to kind of go into the nostalgic den of comic books. Yeah. Um, I mean, even this week, I love Amazing Spider-Man currently, and I don't yeah. think people like that. <laughs> like, all I've heard is people being like, and I really like, I hate his art. I hate, you know, like, that. that's a current know, thing it's, coming out. It's selling better than any other Amazing Spider-Man we've had in a long time. That's true. Isn't it? Wow. And it, and it was the pick of the week on that other podcast that we like. Yeah, that's true. I just know people in my immediate life like it. Yeah. Um, comic book wise. Oh gosh. You know, oh, I, I thought an, Akira oh. at this no, point is something that like is dated enough mm-hmm. that many people don't really care to read it. And yeah. a lot of people think that they know what it is because they've seen the movie. And right. I've, in my experience working at the shop, that's something that I think is of a high, high caliber that almost always is approached with a pretty closed mind. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really like trying to sell people on it. If it takes in, like either someone is like, oh, cool. Or if it takes any amount of resistance, then I'm like, I don't I don't really know that it's worth huh. it because it's a kind of a six volume journey and you have to make it through the first one to actually realize that it's not the same as the movie. <clears throat> um, yeah, I need so to try it again. That is one that I don't 
I like, I have actually realized myself pulling back from recommending to people because it seems like no one super wants to actually engage in it. What's a good manga recommendation? Have you read Akira? No, but I've seen the movie. You should super read the book. Yeah. Okay. Have you cool. read Pluto? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just like, it's there's a real closed mindedness around that particular piece of fiction. I mean, I, at this point, I could say any of my favorite Warren Ellis stories are in this category because I feel weird recommending him, even though like I've been rereading Transmet and it is still an amazing comic. That's actually a really recommending him. good vantage point to approach it from Django. One that I would say is The New York Four by Brian Wood, yeah. a book that I love. Ashton read it, liked it a lot as well, but I don't feel really comfortable recommending a Brian Wood book yeah. to anybody. DMZ too. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And that whole like Warren Ellis series that he wrote about, you know, how to trick women into having sex with you because they think that they're going to like that was a have comic a series that I love. But yeah, but I don't yeah. feel good about recommending it to people anymore. Didn't like it once once we realized he was on the wrong side of the that debate. conversation. Yeah. yeah thought yeah. he was on the ladies side. My mood tonight is such that I'm working to get us canceled. So. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, on that note, we're going to be talking about a number of books this week. But the All first written one by Brian Wood, <laughs> all by Brian Hardwood. Uh, we're going to talk about Dark Crisis number one, um, Astronaut Down number one, After School number one, Flashpoint number two, and Poison Ivy number one. Maybe in that order, maybe not in that order. Also, uh, we don't know. Maybe other things are going to come up. We're going to talk about Batman Killing Time. You know why? Because it's really good. We might even and we talk got about some time to kill. And we got some time to kill, assuming that all works out, um, man. And just so everyone knows, my longtime girlfriend's mother is staying with us and is in the other room and likely can hear everything that I'm saying. So, Christy, I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, I'm sorry. It's this is this is a recipe for not success on every single front. <laughs> so um, let's get into it this week. I talked about Dark Crisis, but I feel so shitty about offering my opinions up at this point. I don't even fucking want to hear what you guys have to say. So what did you guys think about Dark Crisis? Well, I like that the opening page had a reference to the Grant Morrison Batman story. Mm. Um, I actually like this book quite a bit more than I liked the issue zero that came out last week. Um, that, that zero issue felt like a way to squeeze us for five bucks. And this one actually had some really nice art, a pretty solid story. And uh, the, the colors were great. That one page that has the like 14 panels or whatever it is. I thought that was a pretty great page. At the uh, early part there? Um, because there's that big double page. Spread. Sorry, yeah, that's not 14 panels, but they do a sort of like a historical recap page. oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that, yeah, that yeah. recap was awesome later on uh superboy's trying to uh or sorry superman is trying to recruit people to be in the new justice league and it's just what two four it's like a 16 panel page um that i thought was pretty awesome with you know just characters being invited to be in the justice league and, Jango, you uh, just saying that did mention rem remind me that we are do we do have to talk about the kevin conroy pride story Oh, yeah. I have to talk about that. I didn't yeah. get to read it, but I <clears throat> wish I did. And yeah, so that'll, that'll be in the rundown as well. So um, Django, I think both yeah. of us have had this same pretty burnt out feeling on like Joshua Williamson. I think that we've actually kind of gotten into a comfortable space in our podcast where we've kind of, I don't know, for good or bad, but kind of pigeonholed Joshua Williamson. Maybe it's just me, mm -hmm. but I feel like we've sort of kind of gotten an idea 
you know, what their strengths and their weaknesses are in the way that we do with like Tom King or other writers as well. Um, but I would say that this one to me, like didn't have the same trappings of a really shitty Joshua Williams story that like, you know, maybe Road to Dark Crisis had or some of the other ones. It sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, at this point, I can kind of see the skeleton of most big event stories from DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't really hidden here, but I enjoyed working my way through it. And man, I like I like that all the bad guys are fucking with the Teen Titans. It's about time. Yeah, fuck those Teen Titans, I always say. There was only one moment in this where I was like, oh man, that dialogue doesn't... Oh, it was uh, when Black Adam was standing in a doorway talking to a group of people and he says, none of them know. They didn't see what I saw. The horror. It should have been me, Adriana. Then I could be with you again. And then Superboy shows up and says, Black Adam, who are you talking to? He says, never use that super hearing on me, boy. It's like, dude, you're standing on a stairway with an open door talking to a group of people saying this and you're mad someone heard you like that on a storytelling level doesn't work at all. Yeah. But uh, but the page before it was like, uh, you know, that another massive panel page. But Is he, he's talking to people and he gets mad at Superboy. He's just Jesus standing Christ. in a doorway looking at people. Um, but there's people, you know, within earshot of him. Yeah. And he's, you know, like if you're talking to yourself in private, don't do it in front of people. But if you're talking to yourself in a superhuman world, expect that people can hear you. Yeah, like, use your internal voice. You know how ceiling cat can watch you masturbate? So yeah. can Superman. Yeah. And my ceiling <laughs> fan. I wish that I could get towards finishing, you know, any time without being convinced that my ceiling fan is watching me. <laughs> Maybe I'll just turn it off next time. I like this edited version of you watching me <laughs> watch, watch because my, well, you didn't, you didn't right want now? your, yeah. You didn't want your, uh, your mother-in-law to hear you say masturbate. Oh no, she's out there. <laughs> let's just let's, let's do a timer of how many times jet or counter of how many times Jess says something that you shouldn't say with your not quite mother-in-law around you. Um, yeah. You know, I think again, I've mentioned it before, but I think Joshua Williamson, Again, the blocks of his storytelling, I enjoy. And I just think that the final execution of it consistently kind of falls short, whether it's editorial mandate. I would love, you know, to have an editor at DC just say like, hey, dude, we really want you to work with someone like your storytelling is great, but we need like a dialogue editor or something there. But this one is actually, um, you know, if he's dealing mostly with blocks of the DC universe. I like him doing a big crisis story because I do think a big crisis story needs to be, you know, like even talking about final crisis earlier, I, I will laud somebody for bringing in the history of the DC universe and trying to do something large with it that pays homage to its history Mm -hmm. if it falls short. And I think that like final crisis can be described that way. And, you know, if you compare the first issue of final crisis with this, I think they're, pretty similar right because there's some huge shortcomings in that first issue of final crisis so in terms of like a storytelling perspective so this had me interested and eager to read the rest of it you know like john kent's interactions with uh wonder girl were really nice i do like deathstroke seems like really no holds barred at this point he wants to take down the titans um and then you get to the end and it's like multiverses and earth's being destroyed and pariah is now like an like a monitor 
stuff on him like the last uh, two pages were the weakest part for me yeah i think dialogue wise they they for sure were but i do also like what they were getting at which is like okay there's this great darkness and the most important thing in the dc universe is hope that's what can light the darkness and by killing the justice league i'm extinguishing hope Mm -hmm. which in doing so allows the greatest evil to like have strength. Like I think it's again, Josh Williamson, it's execution wasn't perfect. I let my mind do a search and replace on these to uh, replace. Anytime they said justice league, I replaced it with Dan Didio and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. They are getting rid of that man's legacy for sure. Uh, (laughs) Uh, For sure. You mentioned a pay, uh, a thing that didn't make any sense with uh, Black Adam talking to people, and the the yeah. thing that was incongruous to me was when um, the two Adams are standing on a keyboard and they're like, "We ran a bunch of tests. We didn't find anything." I know. Why like, are you? Why tiny? the fuck aren't you guys normal size using yeah. your fingers? Like, I are had you this... jumping from key to key. Yeah, I had shits? the exact same thought. Like, good thing we have a small panel of two tiny people standing on two <laughs> keys of the four that we can see. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You hit A. I'm gonna hit S. Cool. <laughs> um, I, I hit S twice. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna go over to the backspace. Hang yeah. on. Hang on. I'm almost yeah. there. <laughs> But, you know, I liked the continued motif of like consistently having kind of out of nowhere uh, a shot of whatever character is being talked to, uh, like in the crosshairs of a gun. Like, I don't know. They did Mm -hmm. a a cool job of being like, yeah, there's an insidious force going on here. And the, you know, the Justice League or this, you know, poor boy Justice League is uh, in the sights of them. Well, it looks like uh, Deathstroke actually kills a major character in there which is awesome yeah i thought roman would be real bummed about that with that if he in fact dies in this issue because like how many times have we seen deathstroke be the ultimate foe for somebody and then he doesn't really manage to kill anybody who's ever had their their name on the front of a cover yeah that's a good point a lot a lot yeah Yeah. he's like the 300th best let's do a big deathstroke story let's bring geoforce in (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah yeah let's kill geofors with the desktop yeah yeah <laughs> um but all in all in terms of like starting an event i don't wouldn't say that it has the gravitas of a crisis story that has happened in the last 20 years like if infinite mm-hmm. crisis or final crisis but not yet i think that what dc's been doing is they've had some really really weak main dc continuity stories and some really strong out of continuity stories mm-hmm. and so this is at least on the good end of their continuity story. So I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it a seven and a half, um, but it probably deserves an eight. The art is really good. It really uh, is pretty nice art. Yeah. It's by what's his name? Daniel Sampier and Alejandro Sanchez did the colors and the, the colors are great too. Um, yeah. Heck it. I'm going to give it a seven and three quarters. Heck it, man. I like that. Um, Dang, boys. <clears throat> Dang. That was really, really good. Let's talk about Astronaut Down, number one, Aftershock Comics, not written by Cullen Bunn or <laughs> Patrick Kindlin. Patrick Kindlin. Uh, yeah. Actually written by James Patrick. I guess Patrick does more black mass. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. Uh, James Patrick was the writer and Rubin is the artist. Valentina Brisky is the colorist. This is really good art. And... I read two space stories this week, both from small publishers. Um, and this one for me was the clear winner. It had it had really good characterization. And uh, it's not actually a space story, which I thought was super cool. It's like these guys going into a, I guess the earth has sort of flooded and there are glass 
shields up around all of the cities and i think they go like over the over the up up to the sky right roman yeah they're in dome cities basically. they're in dome cities and and they've been failing one at a time and so these um explorers who look we're, we're, they're presented as astronauts the whole time um they look like they're gonna go out into space and save us somehow um but it's got a nice twist at the end uh which reveals what they're actually doing and uh i i was totally sold i was too this is um i mean i wasn't as impressed with the art i mean i thought the art was okay but the um characterizations and the two big plot points the the threat because it looks like a flood um acts like a liquid but it's some kind of uh externalized cancer that's that's wiped out most of humanity and when this liquid hits you it causes your body just to burst out and massive tumors that kill you within minutes. And I thought that was a great threat. And there's like seven cities left in North America and they're in the whole world, right? Maybe it's the whole world. I thought it was North America, but yeah, maybe it's the whole world. And this uh, space program, this is their last chance to pull this off and try and save everybody with these astronauts. And they tried it before and all the astronauts died. Um, yeah, but they projected that, okay, this is our last shot. Cause in the time it takes to do this, the last cities are going to collapse and, and the rest of humanity seven in the seven in the U S and 14 in the whole world. Uh, okay. okay. Remaining, which that's not very many people. No, no. And the twist at the end, like Jacob said, it's, it's an amazing twist. I was like, Oh, wow. This is, this is a fantastic comic. <laughs> yeah. I was totally ready for space and we got something better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, better. Yeah. I don't Maybe I was ready it. for space because it's named Astronaut Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they are astronauts of a of a type. <laughs> sure. Sure. It does have uh my favorite thing in the world, which is emails back and forth between characters for four pages at the end. Uh, really nice context there. Um are you being sarcastic or did you I like am. that? I don't uh. like it at all. I know I read all those. I was like, okay, that was kind of amusing, but <laughs> yeah, it, none of it was stuff that we really needed. Not really. No. And it could have been done in, in like two pages in the comic for the important stuff. Yeah. What do you give it? Uh, I gave it a 9.5. Oh, wow. I'm going to give it an eight. It's a good hard, go. hard sci-fi comic. You know what I mean? Dang. Yeah. Well done. Aftershock. Yeah. When they're on, they're on. Yeah, they really are very, very good when they do good stuff. Even more than Black Mask, mm -hmm. for sure. What's your favorite Aftershock book? You'd have to list them all off so I would know which mm. one to pick. Yeah, I really <laughs> like that uh, that Cowgirl one that came out right before the pandemic. Undone by Blood. Undone by Blood was yeah. really good. Uh, I thought that I, I didn't keep reading it, but I thought that Animosity was a really good story. Um, that... Garth Ennis one that they did was pretty awesome. The uh, walk through hell. Oh um, yeah. 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 I mean, further that, into that than most of them. Yeah. That kept twisting in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say probably a third of their books are, are excellent and they rarely have one that really sucks. I'm going to resort to hot lunch special as mine. Oh, that's right. That was them. Yeah, Fornes, Fornes, and that was that was yeah exactly Fornes's coming out party. I would think that was his first thing that I ever saw him on. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna say Maniac of New York. That was a oh oh yeah. yeah. I wish I finished that one. Fucking uh, the bunny one that's coming out. Oh yeah, bunny, bunny mask is cool. Bunny mask was great. That I was think one there's of the truly scary. Yeah, isn't there gonna be like a 
Or maybe that was a joke. Maybe that was a dream I had. Bunny Mask and Maniac of New York crossover. I think that uh, sounds like the same artist doing it. Yeah. I'll bet it was a dream. Probably. <laughs> so, Roman, <laughs> did you read After School? Uh, Jeff, I, 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 I always read after school oh. comics, books, Jeff, you set them up like that. Like, what do you expect? That was, I, exceptional. I, I had subscription to dyna- dynamite. <laughs> that yeah. was exceptional. Did you read highlights so, before that? You, oh, I used to love highlights. I love goofus and gallant. Only when I was hanging out in the doctor's <laughs> office. Well, I'm curious if you read uh, Benson's Skybound Presents After School. Benson and Moorheads. I did. Well, I know Django did, which is why I didn't ask him. It's not that I don't like Django, um, but I just knew that he read it. Skybound Presents After School. This is written by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead with art by Greg Hinkle. I did not realize it was Greg Hinkle. I didn't either. Wow. Yeah. That's fun. There was no giant penises in this. That's two. <laughs> Sam's mom's out there. Um, that, uh, oh, yeah. What my kind of podcast does he do My again? daughter's boyfriend just goes and yells about penises. <laughs> and um, At least he didn't talk about masturbating. Oh, wait, no, he did. And he yelled about it. Um, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are filmmakers. They did the Moon Knight show, right? Oh, did they? I didn't know about that. Sean listed a couple films that he was a fan of that I had never heard of because that's classic Sean um, because he's seen every movie ever. Uh, Jango, did you watch Pontypool? No, haven't watched Pontypool yet. This is a series of one shots. As I understand, it's going to be four one shots. I did not read the text page at the end because I was crunched for time, but I did like this issue quite a bit. This is a story of a young girl who deals with confidence issues and is in high school and her parents, as a result, buy her a dog and she finds out that it increases her confidence and self-esteem and starts doing well. However, it does seem that there is a very um, John Carpenter-esque alien that lives (laughs) inside this dog that needs her to murder people or steal spines for it. Um, and things go real bonkers. Did not know what I, I, the cover of this made it look much more like a boom, like spooky high school book, you know? (laughs) And this is like, wait, no swearing and inappropriate language, like subject matter and deep disturbing violence, which was real, a pleasant surprise for me because I don't like the, I'm bored of the high school. Oh, we're, is that a demon? I don't know. You know, thing. <laughs> I'm done. So um curious what you guys thought of this. I think Hinkle draws guts as good as he draws dicks. He does. Smaller. Well, no, actually, he's got some pretty big guts in this one, big actually. Guts. Yeah. Big, big guts. He also, the dog speaks English and smokes cigarettes. And I and did really coffee. like that. And drinks coffee. I like a dog that smokes cigarettes and works on math equations. So I didn't read the afterword either, but there's there's one full page panel. It is the dog making coffee and smoking a cigarette and watching TV in the kitchen in the mm. middle of the night that the girl walks in on him. And apparently that is what they built this whole story around. Like they had the vision of that page and then wrote the story to to get to that point. I love that. I love I, a cigarette smoking dog. Yeah. I, I love that page, but I it did my first thought, maybe not my first thought, but my one of my initial thoughts was, well, how did he turn on the coffee maker? Well, he's an alien. Calls. Yeah, he's an alien. But, puppy but he dog. can't reach. He can't reach it. Roman, <laughs> I think he could do that easier than he could light a fucking cigarette. Looks like he pooped on the floor in front of that's the counter. True. Like no, maybe he was no, climbing. That's coffee. Yeah, that's maybe he did. Think. Yeah. 
I thought that this was really good. I, I really liked the art. I thought that the writing, like I liked the story that was happening, but it felt like I missed pages or panels at certain points. It did totally feel like, agree. yeah, there I was totally panel. Agree. Yeah, that's what it felt like. I thought it was interesting that the dog was, I, I don't, maybe it doesn't happen after it's revealed what he is, but up until then, I, I don't know what it, it's a coloring effect that the dog looked kind of spectral. The whole issue. Yeah. He's got no black lines. Yeah. yeah it's the, all, the whole it's all issue. Color. It looks uh, like a ghost dog. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't quite understand why you would do that. Yeah. I didn't um, quite either. <laughs> and why the people wouldn't notice, or if it's just supposed to be for us. I did love that. Like, that page where he's standing and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, um, the entire issue changed at that point. You know, at the beginning, like the girl mm-hmm. like meets another girl, maybe they have a relationship, has this other dog. And you're like, okay, like I am getting an idea of what the story direction is. And then it was like, no, no. Two pages later, we have a dog eating the spine out of a cat. Like it was very, <laughs> an, a very abrupt shift, which uh, I support. I support it very much. I, I yeah, I really like the, the abrupt change there. But Django, I think your point is absolutely on point, which is I had the feeling at times where like, did I miss a page? Like there's a big jump happened between panels here, which is fine um, if the flow of the comic is indicating as such. But I don't know that it was. It was the, the first time I noticed it was when she said the dog's name and... I didn't realize that we had ever heard the dog's name before that. And I had to go back and it, it, it just wasn't real apparent that we had ever met that name in this story. And then I started noticing it in other, other spots and it was, it's fine. It's, it's almost the opposite problem that new to comic writers have where a lot of times they don't trust the artist. So they overword things. Right. And this one, it felt like maybe they were, maybe they were underwording things a little bit too much. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at this like scene where we meet the dog and like there's two pages without the dog's name being assessed. But yeah, yeah, then on page three, it says with Janie, my anxiety was gone, which is not even a gendered dog name. My favorite part was when they're solving very advanced math equations. And she says to the dog, do you think the coefficient? And then he says, shut the fuck up. And then it goes in the next panel. He goes, shit, the coefficient's wrong. While he's smoking (laughs) a cigarette with a pen. And I just thought that's very good. I love dogs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the the blood and guts. I think Cronenberg, I think um, uh, the Peacemaker show. Hmm. I got I got Peacemaker vibes out of it because it's like a, a winged thing that's living inside of people or dogs, I guess. Um, yeah, good stuff. I would Does give that it happen a, the Peacemaker show? Are there winged things living in people? I didn't watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it gets great. Yeah. Oh, God. It's great and gross. Winged things. That's gross. It and is. Great sounding. Yeah. I, lo- I love the panel when they're driving to the, the lab. Or whatever, and the neighbor's big goofy Great Dane dog is in the back seat and hanging its head out the window with its lips and tongue and slobber f- flapping everywhere. So the alien dog does it too, and it's like alien self is hanging out the dog's mouth, flapping, <laughs> flapping in the wind. And <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. it's funny too. The ending was abrupt, and I'd I didn't know at that point that these are one shots essentially. Yeah, I totally. So I was agree. like, oh, it's going to continue, and then I read the text page, and I was like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm glad that it's one shots. Yeah, me too. I totally agree. I, I don't think that I would have had the interest for a second issue. Like the way that this finishes, like it's like an alien invasion coming back to her graduation. I was like, oh, I don't want to read this part. And then it was like, oh, cool. This is this is done. The next one is a different thing. And interesting. The next issue is a completely different creative team. So this is just no an way. Is it book. not the not same writers at all? Kate Heron 
Oh wow! Uh, who did Loki, the the TV show Loki oh. and Sex Education? Interest. Well, that's an wow. interesting group of people. Great shows. Yeah. I wonder if that's what they're. I wonder if that's what they're doing is is taking uh, TV writers and and yeah. putting on comics for this. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's two different writers and the artist from Mother of Madness, who was the person who did that. Uh, like uh, Will mentioned earlier, Amelia Clark story. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, guys. Uh, hey, what eight. do you want to talk? Oh, yeah. Eight. Um, eight. I'm going to go 8.5, eight nice. and a half. Yeah. I got real scared at the beginning that they were going to kill this dog off and I didn't have the heart for it. They but, killed uh, the other dog uh, off. Exactly. And I didn't love that. But once I realized <laughs> yeah. it was alien dogs, and that dog was a butthole anyway. Yeah. They start off with that butt. disgusting. Did you guys have to do that in high school to dissect frogs? Mm hmm. No. Oh, wow. See, I, I, yeah, I never did that. I never took biology. Um, I'm so glad I did it too. (laughs) Yeah. It was a weird thing to do. I didn't love it. I didn't love doing it. I also wasn't good at it. So that did any of it like stick with you and inform, inform things that you think about or, or the way that you see creatures? No, but I don't think it's probably a huge surprise to you guys that that level of my education isn't really what I vibed with a ton, like biology sure. and stuff. I, I, like theoretical things were more interesting to me than actual physical mm. things. So yeah, like, um, <laughs> yeah. Biology was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually, I, I changed high schools halfway through the semester. And in the first high school, it was biology for a semester or but yeah, biology for a semester. And then the next semester was physics. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the new school, they had done physics first. And they were doing nice. biology second. So I had biology twice and yeah, I enjoyed it. So you did dissect frog. No, I never dissected a frog. Like oh, I, I didn't go weird. to a lot of school. Like I didn't start till oh, seventh man, grade. We did so. the fetal pig. We did frogs. Oh. We did planarians. Um, yeah. Jeez. That's so weird too that I, and I remember um being worried luckily I was a I was a goof off dummy kid so I never took I any science classes in high school. I mean I took like ge- I don't know geography and natural science. Um but I was always relieved because I didn't have to dissect anything which is weird cuz you know we had chickens and rabbits and stuff at homes and I helped dad butcher them but I didn't want to do frogs <clears throat> or feed them an inside out rabbit any day. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you guys, what do you want to talk about next? I only um, got one more of these that I read. Rabbits now. <laughs> Did you read Flashpoint? No, I forgot to take it home because I got it confused with Dark Crisis. Oh, okay. See, that's what happened with me with Dark Crisis. I didn't take it home because I got it, I confused it with last week's Dark Crisis issue. <laughs> well, let's talk about Batman Killing Time then. I know we've talked about this book before. It's written by Tom King. On this podcast, we feel very strongly about Tom King, I think. And I'm curious what you guys thought about this podcast. I have probably related to stress, but this rash that is going all over my hands and it's a real bummer. Um, but I did put coconut oil on it yesterday at the at Django's suggestion. Your, your hands smell good now? They smelled good yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I like well, that, that stuff smells like baked cookies after a day. I think I needed to put more on. Oh, well. Good stuff. Did you just call um, me a moron? Did I just call you a moron? No, no. Uh, yeah, I think I did, but I didn't mean it. I don't Son think you're a... a moron. Gun. All right. Well, that was close. I know. I your mom this name. is a. My mom's I'm on a sorry. cruise to Alaska right Whoa. now. Whoa! What? She's on an Alaskan cruise right now. Uh, to... It's good. Good time to go. She yeah. Goes, she goes up the inside. Dark. Yeah. She going up the inside passage. That's supposed is that to be a great. sexual thing. Oh, no, it's actually it's listens act- to this podcast. <laughs> That's my it's a, mother. No, it's, it's actually man. no, it's actually not. 
So it could be um, <laughs> with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that it's a beautiful passage of, of the. I appreciate uh, that. She raised me. Roman. So Batman, the killing time um, <laughs> written by Tom King with art by David Marquez, an artist that I really do enjoy a lot. Mm hmm. Where are you guys at with this series? It jumps around a lot. Are we tired of that yet? Are you guys tired of it? Not yet. That pushed an agenda that I didn't mean to push. Yeah. Are you tired of it? Not, not in this. I don't. I wouldn't like it if it was a lesser writer. But I'm, I'm liking it with this. I feel like he's he's fucking with us a little bit and jumping around more than he needs to and giving us more timestamps than he needs to. Probably in response to just the, the general feeling I think that a lot of his stories have where he jumps around, but doesn't tell you what he's doing and doesn't, doesn't give you all the easy landmarks. And so this one feels a little bit like he's patting us on the head while he's, while he's doing the time jumps. Um, but that said, I, I think it's a really cool gimmick, the, the way that he's doing it. And yeah. I, I appreciate that he's giving us a way to figure out where everything's happening. Cause some of that ancient, ancient Greece, stuff yeah. is happening hundreds of years apart and I, I like that he's he's telling us that in different ways each time he gets to that page do you remember if so yeah i i i agree with both of you i'm not tired of it yet i i really enjoy it it seems when i start the issue it takes me like two pages to like get into the flow of doing that because <laughs> it is so dense and there are so many time jumps that i start to get intimidated by the idea that i need to have more of a conceptualization for the structure of the story going into it but it does seem to be pretty tied to single issues at a time but what i cannot remember is if those thousand year back flashbacks mm -hmm. are they continuous like was the previous issue dealing with this same aspect or are they different each time the previous issue was i think but i don't know if ones before that were okay because I'd like to read the whole story in paperback because, mm -hmm. and I did like to your point, Django, I love that it was like 3000 years ago, bam, back to present day, 2,500 years ago. And you're like, wait, that's not the same time frame. It's like, oh, now we're reading a play based on the events that we had seen 700 yeah. years earlier. Like I yeah. like that jumping around, but I, a month between issues, I can't remember if those historical moments are you know, continuous within the issue, to issue thing. that we'd only had the historical stuff since last issue. I didn't remember old timey stuff in the first three issues, first two issues, I guess, but I might I, just be a bad reader. I thought it, I don't know. I thought it was before like a, within the last couple issues. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think when they first, like Jeff said, I think when they first do it, it's recounting the events that later Euripides wrote the play about with, mm -hmm. uh, uh, King Fenty, Pentius, Fenty, Pentius. Is that a story that you're familiar with, Roman? I've never, well, I've never read it. I mean, I've heard of it. It's um, the Bacchae by uh, Euripides, which is all about oh, madness and 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 a critique of uh, religion and gods and how it just drives you insane. Which is why the mother in that story. Right think she's fighting a lion and she's like ecstatic and it's she's killing her son and ripping him apart and right bringing his head to his grandfather yeah i to Django's point i agree i don't remember happening at all in the first issue um i don't remember necessarily i get two and three kind of blend together because it's been months you know mm -hmm. um but yeah i just i can't remember if it's one continuous thing or if it's each one is a sort of different historical thing that happened i think the important date to remember in this is march 1st 
because that was when the original crime took place. And that's kind of the date that, that the main story is revolving around. Yeah. And the reason that it's March 1st, I think, is that that's the day the Batman came out in yeah, theaters. It is. Right. Yeah. So like they timed that and, and made it real, real contemporary. Um, I think that the help is one of the best new Batman villains that we've had. And yeah. while reading it, it just made me frustrated at Jimmy TIV yeah. <laughs> because he did this same thing where he made a bunch of new characters in a run that no one cared about. And none of them, I, I just get annoyed when I see any of them. None of mm -hmm. them feel like they should exist. None of them have any weight or merit to them and they all disappear. Yeah. This is this wonderful character that is so interesting. But then that made me extinct. They think beyond that, just like Tom King seems to have an actual voice for these characters. Like he understands these characters, whether it be the Riddler or Catwoman or Batman or the help or Alfred, like those characters exist to him and he mm -hmm. understands them. And that's something that seems totally lacking in Jimmy TIV's Batman run, probably from J Joshua Williamson's as well, but he wasn't trying to incorporate so much new stuff, but like, this is the way that you introduce a character. You don't advertise and tell everybody there's going to be a first appearance coming up, you know, a month and a half beforehand so that you like get sales. Like you just make a new character logically in a story. Make it um, good. Yeah. And it just made me resent that James Tinian stuff even more. Um, but I guess I'm a total impatient prick who just like I hate things being done poorly and forcing me to read them but you're not forcing me to read them so i'm the prick but yeah well like yeah i mean that jimmy jimmy tiv's new characters none of them none of them really felt super organic to me and a lot of them felt really derivative yeah this yeah. guy is if this guy's derivative of anybody he's like the um, evil version of alfred, alfred. yeah 100 it's amazing and the way that they end up i mean i i don't think that they're teaming up they're collaborating here by the end of the story and i think i think that it was really cool just just the that the way that batman is working with him and then like you mentioned that tom king has a really good feel for these characters but these are different characters than the ones that he's been writing and so and, and it's so clear to me that this is not the same catwoman there's not the same batman that as as the ones that he's been writing about in in batman catwoman and, and the main batman story that's interesting I feel like they are the same characters separated by many years. And I think that when oh, this story so. started, they did mention that this is early in his career to sort of mimic the movie that had come out. So like that. to me, I actually really like that it feels like these Tom King characters, but much earlier in their lives. So that's actually what spurred my idea that like he seems to have the longitudinal awareness for the growth and character mm -hmm. arcs of these people that he's writing. And I really appreciate that. That's Although awesome. the hole in that is that there should be an Alfred in this if Alfred if this is an earlier story and maybe Batman's just globetrotting so he's not there. But I think the strength right. of the help in this is that it's a new character that feels like it's filling a void of a character that's not there right now because right. Alfred is dead. And again, that's just like the difference between creating a new character that's good or not good. Right. Like, is mm -hmm. it derivative or, or is it, you know, filling the hole of something that you want as a reader? Right. Roman, right. how do you, what are you thinking about this? Because it is also just like you're jumping through time a lot. Like, I bet there's a lot of folks that don't necessarily want to go to the work of trying to track this. Um, <clears throat> I'm really enjoying the series, too. I particularly liked this issue. I, I, I'm Yeah, like you, you guys, I love the help. I love the the revelation kind of toward the end that 
his connection with uh, Ray Al Ghul. Thought that was very cool. Oh, I loved that too. Was that established earlier in the run? Because that only stood out to me now. I I think. Okay. I think this issue is when they first reveal okay. it. I think we just met him last issue, right? Oh, was yeah. he? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't we? So. My two and, the, and three for this run have blended together. Yeah. 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 And the fact that he has this like young Bruce Wayne before he was Batman replaced the help in Roz's eyes. So, you know, the help's got some, he's not, he's not showing it yet, but he's got some uh, animosity there toward Bruce Wayne. I don't know Would if you he knows. you say he's got baggage? Because <laughs> the help carries the baggage. Oh, oh, I just hope they change his name to like the help giver. <laughs> it's just like i can't wait i genuinely want to see this character again in another run like i want to see him again and that's something that like even like joshua williams batman run like the abyss i was just like i don't care if i see you again or not like there, you can tell when a character is new and you have that feeling of just like i probably won't see you again and like this character i want to see again you know what's weird is tom king came out of came out in batman swinging with new characters right at Gotham and Gotham Girl. That's true. And they were super important to his story, but mm. used up by the time the story was over. Yeah. Although Gotham Girl has come back lately, right? Has she? Yeah. I think she's maybe in Detective or something, but yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe um, some, some other story. One thing that stood out to me in this book, and I know we're kind of going long on this one, but the flashbacks to ancient Greece and mm. the, the original happening and then the play and then the way that that is tying back into the main story really reminded me of that book that i read while i was out of town cloud uh yeah cloud cuckoo land that whole story is like that and it almost made me wonder if tom king is is kind of inspired by that story in the way that he's structured this part of this book because hmm. it's it's got a lot of really nice echoes to that i wonder too because that's <clears throat> that uh that play is um, like one of the great tragedies, not only of Greek literature, but like of all literature, it's influenced all sorts of films and other literature. And I wonder how that's, that's an interesting thought. I want, yeah, like what you said, that it's how that influences his structure for this story, what that all means by the end of this run. Mm -hmm. Cause I, cause I don't quite see it yet, but it's fun getting there. Yeah. I think it's uh, and I, what I really love is this, this is a six issue Tom King book, which seems experimental. Like a Supergirl was yeah. eight. Um, but like, yeah, he's packing a lot in here. Diversity as a writer. Also the art. I can't say enough about the art. David Marquez, uh, the, sh the two page shot of him on the motorcycle was amazing. The shot where he does team up with the help and he's walking. He's got both of his hands like grasping his cowl. Like, the, like mm -hmm. there are some amazing pieces of art in here. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that Marquez is working with him and not like just like this is a great artist. Let's put him with the Jimmy T.I.B. V book because like, oh, yeah, get that guy out of DC Comics. And the diner scene is just really well thought out and really well choreographed too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize it took, I mean like slow Jeff, but um, I, it took me till the very end of the book to realize that the place that he and the help were going to and got to was the place that Catwoman and the Riddler were in hours earlier. And like the, yeah, they just that earlier were, that day. Yeah. 32 yeah. seconds ago. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> was really, really incredible. So yeah, uh, I'm curious what your guys' scores are for it. Not to just be a podcast that echoes us talking about the same 12 books each month as it comes out. But uh, what were oh, your, fuck, what were your they're the best 12 books. Yeah, 9.5. Yep. 9.5. I'll say 9.5 also. Tom King, come to our comic shop. Um, <laughs> you guys, DC Pride. I really just want to talk about the Kevin Conroy story. Did you both read that? 
I did not. I did not either. Okay, well, Roman, I got to hear about <laughs> this because I didn't know Kevin Conroy was gay. And I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing that maybe the most universally loved Batman person, you know, like, is it Michael Keaton? Is it Ben Affleck? Is it like, I think across the board, what I encounter the most is that Kevin Conroy is the people's Batman. And I think mm-hmm. it's so awesome that he's gay. Um, because I think there's a lot of people who love Batman. They'll be like, well, not my Batman. Fuck that. But it's like, yeah, fuck you. Now you're in a corner, bud. You love Batman, the animated city. <laughs> like bring your homophobia somewhere else. Um, so this was a whole revelation to me, I, but I haven't gotten to read it yet. Cause we sold out, even though we ordered an unusual number of a certain cover on it that we do, like these pride books have been coming up for quite a while. We've kind of locked in a number, but there was a particular variant. So I ordered a lot more of it. We still sold out. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me uh, about that story. I didn't get to read it. <clears throat> it was, it was so good. And like you said, I mean, maybe, maybe he's come out before and I, I, I didn't know anything about Kevin Conroy other than he's, the best Batman. Um, so this was a revelation for me too. And I had the same reaction where I was like, all you homophobes out there are going to be all, all like panties in a twist now because they're oh, Batman can't be gay. Well, he's not Kevin Conroy is though. Um, and this is such a powerful touching story. Cause he, um, he just t- tells the story of how he was a struggling actor and, you know, the, the, homophobia he encountered the casual homophobia he encountered as a struggling actor and dealing with that and he was almost at the point of thinking well should i give this up and everything and then kind of just stumbled into auditioning to be the voice of batman in this new cartoon show and i also didn't know he wasn't a batman fan he wasn't a comic book fan in particular he had no back bat bat background at all and read for it and he talks in here about how you know he read the first script and he's like you know this guy he he's got his public face and his secret secret self that he can't show he can only show it at night and certain things whatever and he's tortured by this and you know that whole living two two lives type of thing he said i can do this <laughs> and he did it and you know the rest is history and i i re- i mean i already i already liked him so much as batman but then after this story i was like wow I even more respect and love for Kevin Conroy. I mean, this, it's an amazing story and great art. I forget now who the artist is, but um, J bone. Oh, yeah. 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 And it was just so touching. I mean, it brought a tear to my eye and I was like, wow, this is so cool. It's the best story in this issue um, by far. I think. How's the, how's the rest of it? Like, um, good they're all, yeah, they're okay. Uh, the super Superman, uh, Jonathan Kent story is pretty good. The, um, uh, I forget the name, the far sector Green Lantern. I forget Joe Mullion. Um, her story is pretty good, mm-hmm. and the rest, the rest are okay. Um, it is interesting seeing how characters that were created with already their sexuality in place work a lot better in stories. I think than like say the the Tim Drake Robin story, a character mm-hmm. who they because that his bisexuality just kind of feels a little forced, and the other characters feel way more natural because they were that way from the get-go hmm. i i totally agree uh like i was just staring at the issue yesterday that i was working we have that batman urban legends and the note that was written on is tim tim drake comes out and i was like well that's not vernacularly correct with what actually happened in that issue like you know he didn't <laughs> right. come out and oh issue. right like, yeah he 
he realized that maybe he's bisexual. You know, like Tim Drake comes out to anybody who's standing in the hallway when he first kisses his new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. it's just it's not <laughs> it's not accurate. But Roman, I I totally agree. In fact, that's one idea that I had while reading Dark Crisis. Not necessarily about sexuality at all, but like I think that people like to like when you're in that phase, and it's been a while since I was in that phase. Um, but like when you are in a spot where you're wanting to get involved in comic books and you want to be like, well, I want to read comics. It's often because there is a character that you like has this legacy that you want to understand and be a part of. I wanted to know about the 70 years of Batman. I wanted to know about like, you know, these different characters are these huge histories. And what we're doing right now is like, you know, not replacing them, but like, here's, you know, here's Superman. Look at Superman. It's just, you know, it's like, john kent and it's like okay but i want to read superman like it, it's like it, it's it's the difference in the you know like and certainly there are people that are getting into it for the other reason which is like i want to i want to read characters who have a representation that represents myself and that's for sure yeah. there as well but like you know when if we're killing the justice league or if they're just not around you know it's like you're taking away the opportunity to get in on the current wave of those things. It doesn't mean you can't get on in the past of those things, but for me and for many people I've experienced at the comic shop, it's this, you want to now be a part of this thing that has existed for many years and you're excited to understand it and be a part of it. And it does seem like there is, you know, kind of a push to like get new characters, to get new people involved. But mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that the best way to get new people <clears throat> involved is by making new characters because i do think that historically one of the best ways is like we have these characters who are you know have a history the history is kind of what makes you me or other people want to get into it's it, an interesting distinction this is something i was thinking about dark crisis not the pride issues i saw something the other day it was it was like um you know a picture of the way that uh corporations advertise gay people during pride month and it's like rainbows and goofy shirts and bright colors. And then it said, and here's a picture of all of my gay friends. And it was just like a silhouetted person with a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. And I feel like right now, especially when Marvel and DC create a queer character, it's, it feels like that's the whole point. Yeah. You know, and and I hope that at some point we get to a place where instead of creating a queer character, they're creating a character who is queer, if that makes any sense, because I think it will make better stories. Roman, where are you? Sorry, I, I was kind of rereading pages of the Conroy Batman story. What was your score for that story? For that story alone? Um, well, our max is 10, but if I could, I, I would give it a 20. Wow. Um, it's just a finding Batman is the name of the story. Um, I texted Chris Clow about it and he said he was going to, I didn't understand his answer because he said he was going to look it up on, it wasn't Substack, It was something stack. And I was like, Oh, is that a store? Or is that something online where you can just find the finding Batman story? I don't, I don't know, hmm. but yeah, it's the last story in, in DC pride 2022. Well, Roman save that issue. Cause I want to read it. All right. Yeah. Don't, don't just put that back on the shelf. Okay. I'll, I'll get it to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Roman. I just want to talk uh, briefly, I guess, about um, Will's, you know, Poison Ivy. I really liked Poison Ivy. And there's been on the topic of just like people being crazy. Uh, G. Willow Wilson had written Ms. Marvel as a comic. It got it very popular. Super, super wonderful character that is a huge population behind it of all types. And this Ms. Marvel show has come out. 
and there's just a bunch of insane people who are like review bombing it before it had even what? come out. So the Ms. Marvel show has been like widespread lambasted so with terrible stupid. reviews. So stupid. It's such a good show. So for yeah. like one episode, it's awesome. Yeah, it's an yeah, excellent show. I got football person that I follow was like, is this worth watching? And I was like, as a comic store owner, I think it's really, really well yes. done. There's really interesting camera work that happens in it. And also like watch it to encourage diversity in a show. Like it's, it's the Marvel cinematic universe. Like let's get some other, but like it, it's yeah. like, it's a Muslim family. I think that like, I think that most of the cast involved are Muslim people. Like it's wonder, like, why would you not want to support that again? Hatred and bigotry and stupid close-mindedness. Also, yeah. Even if you don't want to support it, it's just good. Yeah, yeah, or just, just watch good. it because you watched every other Marvel thing, you <laughs> fucking coward. Yeah, yeah and it, it really <laughs> captures uh, Kamala Khan's yeah pers- person, her person, personality, and everything. Yeah. So anyway, that writer wrote the first issue of Poison Ivy, G. Willow Wilson, a Muslim herself, um, and uh, the art in this issue is by oh gosh, I'm sorry, it's classically DC hidden, uh, Marcio Takara. Um, who else read this? I did. Did you? I really, really liked it. I thought it was paced brilliantly. I thought that, um, you know, so even going back to what we were saying, like uh, forcing sexuality on a character, I do think that the Poison Ivy Harley Quinn relationship has been wonderfully developed through many comics over several years now. Yeah. I think that they've done it absolutely correctly. And I absolutely adore it. Yeah, me too. I, I agree. Cause, cause yeah, they didn't, it's never felt shoehorned onto either of them. They've, they've developed it, you know, it's an overused term, but or, developed it organically over years. And the way that they hearken back to that relationship in this and Poison Ivy, where she's at currently, I think is really interesting. And we don't know exactly what's happened, but she is at her like most aggressive like returning to like a very villainous standpoint and i Mm -hmm. thought that was really really interesting like she's you know ready to bring on a plague that's going to destroy humanity and the way that she's doing it is grotesque and kind of beautiful at the same time and i just really liked how aggressive this issue was like i i was very on board with what a villain she was but at the same time uh seemed like a protagonist throughout all of it like i i didn't you know, it um, it didn't feel like following an issue of six issues of the Joker where he was going to destroy the world or something like there was a yeah. there was an element of um, being on board with her here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I love the way, especially the first part of the book, the art, the, both the art and the pacing and kind of the underlying horror of it. I was like, wow, this is like reading one of the good Vertigo books from the 90s. I mean, it's just this mounting dread. And the art is beautiful and horrifying at the same time with this fungus she's infecting people with and it's just instantly like bursting out it's it's i forget it's the whatever something cordyceps so it's that parasite fungus um and i don't know because because i haven't read been reading batman i don't she references a few things that's happened to her apparently over the last couple of years and not, which none of which i'm familiar with um and i don't know if that happened in batman comics or if this is all new yeah i think that like in the tom king run there was even some stuff like you know, she in the Tom King run, I think it was like a two issue arc or something like she basically had kind of united with the green and then fallen off of the green. She died in Heroes in Crisis and has come back since then. Oh, but I think right. they did a pretty effective job of, you know, first panel 
I've been through a lot, split into multiple beings, fused back into one being, gained unfathomable powers, lost unfathomable powers. After all that, I'm pissed off. Um, you know, like they did a good, good job. Be like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't remember much more than that, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't get through this one time. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't remember any of that, even though I read Heroes in Crisis. And- <laughs> yeah, and the Tom King stuff, for sure. I know we talked yeah. about it. But yeah, there yeah. there was some, she did die in that, in Heroes in Crisis, rather. Um, so you know, I just thought it's a it's a very potent bullet. It felt like it. There was like a lot of emotion in it, and I thought that the ferocity with which it was shot and its pacing, like, was really effective. It was just a really, I think, well done comic, and uh, I think it speaks to G Willow Wilson's skill as a writer. And uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think. I, I certainly did not think I was going to finish the first issue of Poison Ivy and think that it was one of my favorite books of the week. And that I was going to read the second issue. And it did it did that on both fronts. So I didn't read it, but I flipped through it uh, this afternoon when I was at the shop. And I was surprised at the art because yeah. it's it's kind of sketchy. And it it's like the it feels like the dude version of DC's house style, if that makes any sense. Like, like a little bit sexualized or no, just just not real clean lines. Um I don't know. It, it just, it didn't feel like the art that I expected for um, a poison Ivy story. Like I would have expected something a little bit smoother and, and more stock DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In there. Yeah. I know what you mean. I would have too. Like, like I'm looking at the last page of the issue now and yeah. it totally reminds me of specifically like uh, John Toddleben on swamp thing on Alan Moore's run. Yeah. Um, it yeah, reminded me it's, of some it's of the really art cool. and like Paul Dini's detective comics and stuff. Yeah, just like older, older, I think DC when it was doing its when it was just following its own tone and doing really well. Like yeah. uh like it, I don't know. I feel like in the last 10 years or so, a lot of DC and Marvel are sort of like trying to read the room and then do that. Right. And I do feel like there was an era before it where it was it just like it had more confidence in it, its voice and this they're more reactive now. Yeah, I agree. Um, Roman, what was your score for it? Um, 8.5 originally, though. I, I might go up to a 9 to just talking about it. And, um, I really liked it. I'll definitely read the second issue. And yeah, I went into it thinking, ah, Poison Ivy series, it probably won't be very good. I'll give it give it up the first issue a shot. <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to go 8, but I'm going to go up to an 8.5. Because yeah, I agree. It really was, you know, one of my favorite issues of the week. I even love that cover. I mean, she's eating a raw steak and... There's a weird little plant that has like kind of mouth and not teeth, but tendrils. It's a beautiful cover and, and creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well done. And I also, I think this is, I think, is this the first G Willow Wilson at DC? Oh, wow. Maybe. Maybe. Cause she's I, no, done. She did. She wrote air, which was a vertigo, oh, vertigo. book. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the first in, in the DCU though. Mm-hmm. And actually air just got shuffled off to dark horse maybe somebody else is publishing a trade of air yeah we just did the foc on it yeah 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 it's kind of a weird a weird move how long ago was air before i started working at the shop i think really because i i just you know that foc the notes on it were like it's a reprint of a g willow wilson story and i was like i didn't even realize that she i've never heard of this book i didn't even realize that she was writing comics that long yeah and like i thought i would like it it came out in 2008 24 issues so 2008 to 2010 um, I started it and I mean, back then, if I started a vertigo book, I would stick with it for 10 issues before I dropped it. And I think that's exactly what I did and just could never quite get into hmm. it. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad that her body of work has been 
that long. I, I really didn't know. Um, Jenga, what was the other space book that you read this week? There was oh, Astronaut man. Down and Where Starships Go to Die. Yeah, and I read Where Starships Go to Die, which had hands down my favorite cover between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just like a, the better ones of the week. Yeah, that was a great yeah, like, cover. Like the desiccated uh, space suit. Although and, also Aftershock, right? Uh, oh, yeah, it is Aftershock. What Both the of fuck, them Aftershock? Get your shit together. Two space, space horror books in the oh. same week. Uh, this one was written by Mark Sable, who I got confused with an wow. old... Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not him, Roman. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's not it's not the comic book character from Eclipse Comics in 1988. Damn. <laughs> I mentioned to Jeff that he was an old school writer, and then I was like, well, no, wait, I think he's an old school character. <laughs> um, I didn't think that this was very good. Uh, oh. Part of it was that there was, there was a word in here that they kept using that was like a, a name of a group or oh, the... the Daedalus, is that right? Daedalus. Oh, Daedalus. Yeah, the I think he's the father of Icarus. Yeah, I can't pronounce that word, and I hate it whenever I run across it. <laughs> um, I was I was kind of interested when they broke it. Like, I can barely remember the story, but they did kind of harken back to the Civil War time space group that they talk about in Planetary. Like the guys oh. that used basically a big rubber band to shoot themselves out into space. <laughs> um, and and so they like unearth or pull up from the bottom of the ocean this rocket ship from the olden days with um, the, the rebel flag on it. And they open it up and there's this dead rebel soldier with whiskey and a, and a sword on his table. I was like, that's kind of cool because I like I like the idea of people exploring space before they could have actually explored space, right? But then, like the twist at the end of it was just kind of weird and dumb. Like he he comes alive and and there's some sort of glass that that cuts the character and 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 infiltrates their body and turns them into this new thing. And I don't know. There's there's the good side of John Carpenter, which is uh, that after school <laughs> special, and there's the bad side of John Carpenter, which is the last three pages of Star where Starships uh. go to die. <laughs> um, so I'll probably read the next issue, but I think I'm done after that unless it does something super cool. Give it a six and a half. Yeah. Okay. Six cool. And a half. I, I I read the right I read the right space uh, aftershock book this week. Then this was the first one I read this week, and I was like, "Oh fuck, it's going to be one of these weeks." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was a, a kind of a crazy week because DC came in late for us. So, like, I started doing my reading reading Tuesday, and DC didn't come in until Wednesday. Uh-huh. And yeah, like easily my favorite stuff this week, except for Amazing Spider Man, was the DC stuff. Yeah. So the stack that I got through up until that point was like, this is all, is this like last week? Is this another bad week of comics? Okay. Yeah. Um, But then, uh, but then the DC came in and thank goodness it did. Yeah. Yeah. We have any more emails? No. Do you want one? I don't know. I like emails. Uh, Hey, it's Roman. Just writing in to say hi. Oh, no, I forgot that, it. That bit fell on its face. Sorry, I forgot. I, I, I sorry. I forgot. I, I forgot. I sent that one. I just didn't have it in me. <laughs> um, but you had Roman in you. I did. Uh, Roman, you read Flashpoint Beyond, right? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Psycho Pirate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even 100% sure that I read issue one. I read the zero issue, but I read this one and. 
I remember reading the like seeing the credits on the first issue and there were three writers, but it was only Jeff Johns on the zero issue. So I think I was very disappointed to read that, but I did read this one this week and I really, really liked it. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was, I thought, very good. It's not really related to anything, but you're spending the whole time with Thomas Wayne as Batman. There's this awesome scene where he goes into a prison and interviews Gilda. Is that her name? Yeah, Gilda Dent. Yeah, and she like starts like taunting him in this crazy way and he like tries to punch her through the door and then she starts bashing her face against the door and becomes Two-Face in doing that um, and like just destroys her face. And yeah, I, I really like the tone that this series is taking, which is the idea that Thomas Wayne thought he was supposed to die because he was in the Flashpoint universe and he and Barry essentially ended that Flashpoint universe but now he's woken up back in that flashpoint universe. So none of it matters to him because he knows that he shouldn't exist. So it doesn't seem like he cares about people finding out his, like his persona. Like he realizes that this reality is about to end and his only job is to make it end. And I really like that vantage point of this. It's not like, Hey, let's get really invested in this universe. It's more like, Hey, let's barrel towards the end of it. And let he's just like, lost his interest in maintaining the lifestyle of the person that would be the Batman in this world. And he just knows he's got one final thing to do. And uh, I really liked it. Like the psycho pirate being hung in his cell, either by a suicide or murdered and trying to solve that mystery. Like it, uh, it almost has like a Tom King esque uh, mystery that it feels like it's trying to solve. Yeah. I really liked it too. And it's, it's funny. I mean, uh, yeah, now, and you saying you can't remember if you read the first one now, now I'm, don't know if I read the front because I read the zero issue. Right. I think I, you guys did. I, I assume I did. I think I'd we talked to, about it. I'd have to ask Andrew. Um, but yeah, it's funny that it, this is coming out so long after Flashpoint. Like I couldn't remember in this. I was like, wait, was in this Flashpoint reality was uh, Gilda Dent? Was she two-faced? Cause she like, what are her, does she have powers? Cause when she turns away from Batman turns toward him again, she looks like Martha Wayne for like three panels. And then she turns back into Gilda. And I was like, and I was like, whoa, is that her power or is Batman hallucinating? What's going on? Oh, wow. I did not notice that, but you're totally right. She's talking about Martha in that scene. And I I think that, yeah, that's a really good point. I think that that's a visual reference to the idea that she is trying to make him feel guilty about Martha. Like she's basically accusing him of having driven Martha insane to become the Joker. And I think that, yeah, she caused him to see her that way. And that's why he punches through the window. But Wow. But yeah, I did not notice that art shift at all. That's a really, yeah, maybe really that's good all catch. It, yeah, maybe that's all it is. But I couldn't remember from because it's been so long since Flashpoint if she was already two faced in the Flashpoint. But I, but yeah, I like this. I like his attitude. I like there's some cute little things like when when this Batman when he lands in that alley and saves that woman from being mugged. Uh, it took me a second to realize, oh, those are four of in art in the regular DC reality. Those are four of Flash's Rogues Gallery. Right. I only <laughs> noticed Boomerang. Um, well, you're right. Yeah. The guy with the mirror master sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. The other, one, the other one's yeah. the top and the other one's the rainbow Raider. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if the rainbow thing was a pride thing. Just the five panel scene of her bashing her head against broken glass until yeah. it's revealed that she's destroyed half of her face. <laughs> is <laughs> like terrifying. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love the brutality of it. Uh, and I just, I really dug the Elseworlds nature of it. It felt like they were leaning into the success of like what Tom Taylor has done with Elseworlds stuff, but it felt like 
this one wasn't it's not necessarily hoping to make this reality live it is just like yeah we're leaning into like oh yeah but she's two-faced in this world and this happened but but like it does feel like there's a finality to it and i'm very excited by this cliffhanger when it goes back to our reality where we don't know why bruce broke in to steal this globe but we know that it has tachyons all over it and then like the kid from the time masters is saying well you know like once you the guy that owns this shows up you're going to be sorry do you have any idea who that is who, who owns it um I don't. And I was going to ask you, I can't remember whose watch is that? Because there's the globe, but there's also that watch from Doomsday Clock or something. I thought it was the Doomsday Clock one. Um, Yeah. Dr. Manhattan's watch? Perhaps. Yeah. I I wanted to do a Google search, but I also really liked the the return of the Scott Snyder written Superman character from the Flashpoint miniseries. This made me excited to be like, okay, yeah, like, you know, one aspect of that, again, Dark Crisis issue that I liked was that overlap of, you know, like John Kent going to the, you know, John Ridley written Batman story and being like, Superman needs a Batman. He's like, not this one. But I and then that's <laughs> echoed in here, which is like, you know, Thomas Wayne needs a, you know, Batman needs a Superman. Um, I, I yeah, really I, like that idea. Yeah, I like the because this super myth flashpoint Superman doesn't know that this reality shouldn't exist. So I like setting up that conflict where this Batman's like, no, everything has to end. None of it matters because it's not supposed to exist. And this Superman's like, no, everything matters. Yeah. And he's going to fight him about it. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff Johns is still writing some of this, right? It's He's like one of the three writers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, something you just said. Oh, the globe. Yeah. If if I had to guess who a globe belonged to in a perfect DC universe, it yeah. would be Vandal. Oh, it's a snow globe. If it was Ooh, a real it's... globe, I would guess Vandal Savage. I could see that. Yeah, this is like a snow globe with a family of three people, like snowmen in it, three snowmen in it. Joker, three jokers, three snowmen. Ooh, I like I that. Family. I got, yeah. Well, it is a family. I got the feeling it's, I mean, maybe it's Thomas and Martha and Bruce Wayne, but because it's a little, yeah. it's a little snowman and a slightly larger snowman and then a big snowman. And, and so Bruce was the one who wanted it for whatever reason. So maybe yeah. we're going to find a different realities, Batman or something. So anyway, again, anytime Jeff Johns is associated, like, I think, I don't think that I read issue one, but I like, you know, I got over that and I read this issue because I didn't want Jeff Johns to be, but anytime he's associated with the helming of a story, it's, it's better than I'm probably going to give it credit for. Cause I do <laughs> think he's one of the best comic writers out there. I also love Roman. I don't know if you picked up on, but when, thomas wayne there was like the crime scene in the first couple of pages it looks like the woman who is the commissioner is the woman from like the long halloween the like she looks like the roman or like carmine falcone like with oh. the, the big nose and the mole right to the left of her face oh yeah um and i just like they don't say her name cool. anywhere i looked all over for it but it looks like that so yeah, you're right cool cool hints to other history in there so huh. if you're not reading it and you like Jeff Johns or DC continuity. I do think it's highly worth reading. What was your score, Rome Doggy? I gave it a nine. Oh, nice. 8.5 for me. That's, I'm glad that you liked it that much. That makes me happy. I, I gave um, it a, I gave it an 8.5 at first, but yeah, I bumped it up. Um, Roman, will you tell the people about the monkey prince? Cause I don't know that we've talked about the monkey prince much. Um, DC's new, maybe one of their newest and best characters, I think by, uh, Gene Luen Yang and um, actually the entire team, Bernard Chang. It's all, uh, I don't even know if they're all Asian American. They're all Asians. Um, and it's really fun. It's based on uh, the journey to the West, the, the monkey King, um, you know, just like Dragon Ball, just like Goku is. 
and it's just a fun teenage character. He's, he's like, you know, high school, Peter Parker type of character, and he's gotten the powers of the Monkey Prince, not the Monkey King, but his son, the Monkey Prince. Um, and he's adventuring. Unfortunately, he's his family moved him out. There's something mysterious going on with his family. And this family moved him out of Gotham City, so no more interactions with Batman and Robin like they did in a couple of the early issues. But now he goes to a new city, has to make friends, he's picked on, you know, all that kind of usual stuff. Black Manta's getting involved in the background. And it's just a lot of fun. He meets a demon woman in this that is trying to eat him because he she senses that he's related to the Monkey King and she likes she likes eating monkeys. So she's trying to eat him the whole issue. And it's just a, a lot of the issue is a chase scene. <laughs> like Apocalypto? Yeah, except they're on foot. <laughs> that was a disappointing movie. Oh, I liked it. Apocalypto? I liked it a lot. Yeah. It's a two and a half hour chase scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through the jungle. <laughs> With an eclipse. <laughs> Snuff film. What's not to like? <laughs> I was like 14 and went and saw it in the theater. I was traumatizing. It was traumatizing. You were the same age as the, the hero. That's probably why I didn't love it. I also don't <laughs> like chases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is just a, it's another fun issue. It's a really fun character. I hope this is only a, well, 12 issue year long series. And I hope this character doesn't just disappear after this, like, you know, some new characters do. There's even a tie in at the very end. There's a tie in with, with, oh, 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 speaking of Jeff Johns, a, uh, you know, villain villains from his run on aquaman that are pretty cool villains Hmm. do you want me to spoil it sure the trench the trench is back oh Oh, i remember that from the new 52 yeah yeah i always like the trench they're they're scary just a bunch of evil fishes right yeah evil piranha humanoid fish people things (laughs) that are very ravenous um what did i give this i gave oh i gave it an eight they're just like piranhas with human bodies, right? Well, like yeah. The Sharktacons and Transformers. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> or that uh, that sand manta ray from hmm. Death Dealer this week. <laughs> Django, tell us about Death Dealer this week. Oh, I don't Death think Dealer. we talked about issue number one. I don't think so. And we nearly sold out of it. I think it came out while I was gone, right? I think I it maybe came out that. the week before I got back. I and I picked it up because it was a, a thin week. And dang, it's... It's based on that Frank Frazetta picture. It's just like one picture they based this whole comic on. And it's, I was telling Roman before we started recording, it's basically like, what if Conan had a haunted helmet and had to rescue this village woman with a kid that had been stolen by an evil force? How haunted is this helmet? It talks to him. Okay. It's got like a demon in it. it it's got kind of like echoes of uh, Headlopper, where he's he's kind of cursed to carry that witch's head around. In mm. this one, he's cursed to wear this helmet all the time, and the helmet talks to him. And um, it's just it's really inventive. The art is pretty good, and the cheesecake is just exact. Like it stops just short of being offensive. Um, it feels like oh yeah, of course that woman's wearing no clothes. That's what they do in her culture on the top of this giant spider beast that has a city growing on its back. It all makes sense to me. Um, I it, it surprised me that I've read both issues and I'm ready to read the next one. I mean, I like a haunted helm. Give it, yeah, haunted helm. I'd, I'd give it a seven and a half. Um, and if you're at all like a, a swords and sorcery kind of person, I would say it's probably an eight or a nine. Yeah, yeah Roman, you're uh, you're sleeping on it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, I need to read it. I like Conan type stuff. I know you do. 
I know you do. Well, I'm just going to zip in here with an unpopular opinion once again. Amazing Spider-Man number three, Zeb Wells by John Romita Jr. Um, I like this book a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, I love the art. God, I love the art. God, I love the art. I can't think of a Spider-Man comic in the last 15 years that I would rather have the art in than this book. I can't. I, I There isn't one. Um, there's this really diabolical thing that's going on where like reality has shifted. Like Mary Jane's with this guy. They do not like Peter, but he's also sympathetic towards Peter. There's like a money collector. Like he's out there trying to be like, I got to go fucking talk to Peter for whatever reason. Like it's fine, MJ. I'm just going to go talk to him. Do I seem like a violent guy? But he goes out there and his money collector still trying to get medical bills collected from when he was in the hospital during the end of that last thing. And, but he ends up like fronting the money for the guy. So he'll get off Peter's back. So like something sympathetic about Peter following up on this tombstone stuff. Roman, I did not realize that tombstone was an albino black man until the previous issue that you had pointed out. Um, <laughs> but I do think that while they're not explicitly stating that there's some flashback stuff in here that does indicate that they are trying to do that, which maybe is insulting to you or not to you, but like insulting the art style or something. Cause you were saying maybe it doesn't look like that. Um, but uh I, I, you know, I appreciated hearing that last week because I didn't know that about Tombstone, but there's just these gorgeous like full page arts. I, I, I love the way John Romita Jr. draws Spider-Man's costume and Spider-Man in his costume. I absolutely adore it. There's this real brutal stuff going on between him and Tombstone. I don't necessarily love Tombstone, but, um, you know, I've, I, I, I am deeply into this story. At this point, it's like, you know, probably the first issue I'll read in a stack of comics in a given week falls right into that like very fun superhero comic category that I've found myself reaching for at the beginning of my stacks. So this week, I think the first like three comics I read were Thor, Amazing Spider-Man. And then after some, maybe some failed comics, then after that was Dark Knights of Steel. Like uh, it's just... um, it's amazing. It reminds me of what I would, it's amazing. Spider-Man it reminds me of what I would want to be reading comics for. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Going to give it a 9.0. Uh, can't wait for the next issue. And it'll probably be here sooner than later. Cause that's the way that they put Spider-Man comics out. But uh, if you've fallen <laughs> out, amazing Spider-Man, I think you should check this one out. It's a lot of fun. Has a lot of fun characters in it. A lot of nice pictures. Has the people in it that do it good. I don't really know why everyone says so no bad thing about Peter Parker. He's such a good boy, but he says, no, he's a bad man. Also, who's Mary Jane's child? I don't know Mary Jane's child. She has two child. And uh, we haven't seen her since issue one, but I don't see her child anywhere. Whose so child feel, are they? Do you feel like... Uh... I have read the first issue and then we sold out of the second issue and this is number three, right? Yeah. Do you feel like they're solving the mystery that we were presented with, with in the first one, which is like, why is Peter being a giant asshole? Um, no Django, okay. but I, I think it's working to it in its strength because I think that if this run hearkened back to anything, it would be Strazinski's run and okay. Strazinski's run had long form, long form. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of comic book runs, are giving the time to the story development that they used to. I think a lot of things are trying to make decisions by the time issue three or four has come out. So you probably need to lay some stuff out there that soon, if your run's going to go on or not. Um, I, we've mentioned that on the podcast, just like comics, you know, having a a shorter attention span to, to dictating the length of a run. Mm -hmm. I, so no, they have not moved towards that, but they've been seeding it. Like it's no coincidence. I don't think that we have not seen Mary Jane since issue one, you know, like there is, they're intentionally stringing this out. And in a world where I think we're getting stuff in your face all the time, make up your mind. Do you like this? Or you, do you not like 
I want something that's going to is good enough to string me along, but isn't giving me everything right up front. So Roman, are you reading this? Did you read this? I'm sorry. I did that all as my own thing, but I, I just, cause I feel guilty about my love for John Romita Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still reading it. Cause I, I love Spider-Man. That's um, true. And this issue, I particularly liked the flashbacks to, to Lonnie, to Tombstone's childhood. Um, Cause I don't know if we've ever had any, you know, deep dives into Tombstone. Um, so that, that was my favorite part of the issue. Just that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't, I mean, it's not important for the story, but I was surprised it didn't mention how he became um, whatever his superpowers are. I, I think he's like really super tough or something. It doesn't mention how that happened, but that's fine. It's not important for what that flashback was trying to get across. And I, you know, I'll keep reading it because I, I love Spider-Man and I'm curious about how he ended up where he's at right now. I'm not so trying to convince anybody of anything, but Roman on page like three or four or five, I'm not sure, but that full page shot of Spider-Man tied up in the, like the subway, just that's. Yeah. That's a classic. That's just, like, I love that art. Poor, love that art. poor. Yeah. That's a classic poor Peter Parker, poor Spider-Man. And I just <laughs> love, I, I can't, I don't know exactly what it is. I love the way he draws the costume. I love it all the way across there. Like I, it's like every square has a different light reflection on it. Um, I don't know. I just love the way it's he draws Spider-Man. Kind of his birthright. It, it, I totally agree. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, it's his father did it. You're right. Actually, I. that's a really, really good point. I, I love it. And I that adds even more enjoyment for me. So we've talked about this a while ago. And I, since I only read the first issue, um, I'm not sure if that's what this is. This story is doing, but it felt like they might be kind of setting up enough threads to have an ABC plot kind of thing going on, like they did in the early '90s. Is it is does does it feel like that? Kind of because the Mary Jane stuff feels like the B plot. Okay. There is this A plot with this to, with Tombstone right now, and mm-hmm. then there is the B plot of the Mary Jane stuff. Each issue has developed it in an amount, but it has not been the fore foreground of the story. Um, if I were to look at it, there might be a C thing going on. But yeah, I do think like you're right. Wrap up Mary Jane, graduate or wrap up Tombstone, graduate Mary Jane to the main thing and then bring the, bring a the final page cameo in as a B. Which I think is a really wonderful way to tell long form sequential comic book stories like this. Like, when... Yeah, well, it's also like a classic Spider-Man thing. Oh, is it like more Spider-Man than the other comics? I don't know. I mean, other other comics did it. But when I think about that way of telling those stories, it's like late 80s, early 90s, Spider-Man mm-hmm. were the ones that were really doing that kind of soapy ABC plot and, and just graduating them like that. Uh, yeah, Batman that's like Clone Saga. Very little. Clone Saga to a T, right? Like, Yeah, like, oh, he has... Peter's parents might still be alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then seven issues later, by the way, Peter's parents still might still be alive. Mm-hmm. And then that. eventually you get that story. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, nine, nine point five to me. I don't know, very, very high. Django, what else do you? What do you? What, you know what? I don't know. What are we? What are we, what are we fucking doing here? I haven't, I haven't read anything else. Um, nothing, nothing worth reading. Um, I would like to show you guys. I don't know if you've seen this guy. This uh-huh. is my rock octopus. It's the rock's head on an octopus legs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's made for radio. <laughs> viewers, and I don't know if they're viewers, but viewers, have you seen this thing? They should have. Yeah, we should table it for now. We'll table whether they're viewers. We'll show them now. later. We'll, we'll table it for now. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that I saw Jurassic Park this week. Mm. Um, best movie I saw that night between the hours <laughs> of uh, 1035 and 140. I, um, yeah, I did manage, you know, I managed to uh, watch Ms. Marvel and that was real good. Like we said, mm-hmm. I think that w- would we all say massive thumbs up for that? 
Yes. Yes, definitely. It's real nice to see them do new visual trickery in a Marvel property because they, yeah. they, they've all kind of felt pretty similar to each other. I agree. Yeah, I agree. This is easily the most interesting tone of them, you know, since WandaVision, I think. Like, all the others mm-hmm. have been a little bit more down the middle of the road. Uh, yeah, WandaVision had a little bit of pizzazz mm-hmm. for two episodes at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I like the way they, um, at least so far, what powers they've shown are different than what they did in the <laughs> comics. And I know people have been complaining about that, some people, but I think it's pretty clever because I, I just can only imagine that they're like, well, we've already got uh, Elastic Scott, Man. Scott Lang, Ant-Man, Giant-Man in the movies, and, we are, and we're going to have Mr. Fantastic. So we got to make her different than stretchy and growy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and stretchy, that, like, that's a, that's a dodgy thing to try to pull off, I think, especially on a TV budget. Yeah. 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 It's one of the reasons I never made a Plastic Man movie. Oh, guys. Yeah. The Boys season three is out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. It's good. Was season two good? I liked one and really liked it. I mean, I watched it, it was. and I liked it. Season two was like if you took one and turned up the volume 40% more. Okay. <laughs> more, more blood and guts. I love how just the in this world, if someone gets punched through, they just kind of explode. Hmm. You know, like like you punch somebody's heart out and it's just blood all over the wall in front of them. And I love it. <laughs> I haven't started it yet. I'm going to. I just started uh, Stranger Things season four. Mm. So I've been kind of wrapped up in that. Nice. I had to stay up till two o'clock in the morning that I, so I could find 45 minutes to watch The Offer season one, episode nine. Really good. Or and eight, I just looked eight. it up on IMDb. It's got yeah. an 8.5 out of 10. People are liking it. People are liking mm-hmm. it. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful to it's, hear. It's good, good soap opera, man. Good. I, think it's, That's I, good to I, hear. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm current with you. Nice. Certainly my favorite thing that's been on television in a long time. And, you know, like we were talking the other day about how it's got it's full of references to the Godfather. Right. And that's kind of what Jurassic Park did, too. Like they except it's just like references to movies. They've got they've got a scene from every action movie you've ever seen somehow incorporated into that. The offer is way better than Jurassic Park, Mm. the new Jurassic Park. I like I like the offer. All right, everybody, we're clearly wasting your time because now we're just doing that thing where we hang out at the end. So if you want to be a part of that, you can subscribe to our Patreon. We do this once a month where the three of us <laughs> get together and you can contribute to the video sessions where we hang out and we really just talk about whatever we want to. So you can look up the Comics Place Patreon. Um, it's Comics Place Presents. It's patreon.com slash Comics Place Presents. No dot 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 there. Um, and you can hang out and be part of our sort of hangout sessions for this non-comic place stuff but uh, i think in terms of the comic stuff that we wanted to talk about that's everything you can write us an email like william does every week if you're not gonna do that at this point i believe that you're not gonna do that but you can (laughs) prove me wrong you can prove me wrong you can give jeff a little bit more faith in the human species and you could actually write an email in augustus thank you for doing that recently um that would mean a lot to me personally write us an email send it to jeff at the comicspace.com we would read it with the geo no it's jeff maybe that's where all the emails have been going i should make you an Um, alias oh i do love email alias oh i thought this was a good jennifer garner thing (laughs) um but if not we'll see you next week for episode 273 where i will probably continue to be jeff but probably in a slightly better mood i will continue to be Django and Okay, I'll and, I, and I was wondering what's that other guy's name? 
Mm, that was good. I'll continue to be Roman in just about the same mellow mood. Mm. Everybody go look at the back of DC Comics this week. It's my favorite ad of the month. Wait, yeah. What? what are you talking about? I liked that, that that tickled you so much. It's the, the the Batman's cowl is also a question mark. It's just good. It's I gotta go down to the, I gotta go down to the shop. And, oh, this I just put yeah. four of them away. I watched. Yeah. It. Okay. <laughs> I funny enough, I didn't realize until you said it that that's a question mark. Okay. Yeah, it took me like four or five <laughs> issues before I realized it too. Damn, it's good stuff. That is and good. We'll be dropping more and more bombs like this next week on the Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast episode. Two hundred.